Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is a major as grand as they come. Two weeks of high-octane, in-your-face madness. This is New York City. I'm super excited to be back here in New York. It's a great city, an electric city. Really fun to be at the U.S. Open, being an American. Being in New York, I love it, honestly. It's New York City. You never get bored here, that's for sure. This city was born to breed excitement. And this year, the masses come to the U.S. Open to see the greatest tennis tournament in the world. What a moment! A show real type of tennis. Super excited to play my first match here in the US Open again. Let's get it. You're gonna kind of have your chances and you have to be ready to go all in. Welcome to TC Live on day two of the US Open. In New York, a place called Hell's Kitchen is located next to Broadway. And if you want to shine on the big stage, you've got to get past the fire pit. At the U.S. Open, all courts live in the shadow of Arthur Ashe. And to earn your spot on tennis's main theater, players must win the outside audience. This group has already done that. Three former U.S. Open champs and the top-ranked American play inside Ashe Stadium today, starting with 2021 winner Daniil Medvedev. Jesse Pagula gets the always dangerous Camilla Georgie. And in the night session, two-time champ Venus Williams back for the 24th time in New York, followed by the returning men's champ, Carlos Alcaraz. Players arriving on site. There is your 2012 champion, Andy Murray, getting set for his first-round match today against Quarantine Moutet of France. 17th appearance, going for his 200th major win. And how about Angevin celebrating her birthday yesterday? Up early today, taking on Camilla Osorio, runner-up at three of the last five majors. Can she get her first Grand Slam title at the grandest of them all in New York City? Come on in. Great to have you here with us, Steve Weissman. Alongside a couple of Grand Slam champs, we've got the legendary coach, Paul Anacone, former world number six, Chanda Rubin, and, of course, journalist extraordinaire from Sports Illustrated, 60 Minutes, John Wertheim. We are here with you two hours every single day leading up to first ball at the U.S. Open. We're one day in. What do we think, Paul? Big impression from day one. Yeah, day one done and dusted. And for me, it was uh, so much of it was about watching all the different stars and stripes, right? We had so many American flags out there. We saw veterans out there. We saw newcomers. Um, and, and to see so many great American players out there at our national championship is terrific. And cap it off with an amazing ceremony last night mm. as well. And then the most accomplished male to wrap up the evening, Novak Djokovic. So... Uh, very unsurprisingly, 
New York had it all yesterday, and it's just the beginning. Yeah, and we always talk about this. You've got to be ready to go from the first round. And for me, yesterday was about that. We saw a couple of upsets that, you know, we maybe thought could happen uh, in terms of Oji Ali. I see Mackie McDonald with the big win there. Uh, very impressive. And then Maria Sakri mm. going out the way she did. So you got to be ready from first ball. I think one of you said it. You can't win the tournament in the first round, but you can lose it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, self-explanatory. Right? <laughs> it seems logical. But it was, Making up what you're putting down. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was tough for a few players but a lot of them playing some good tennis to get through. No trophies in week one. <laughs> um, I just, yesterday reinforced to me, is there a better value in sports than early rounds at a major? We started at 11 a.m., and we had blowouts and dominating performances, and we had close matches and controversy and men and women and teenagers, and we're talking, we'll talk now about a player in her 40s. I mean, the variety on display yesterday for more than 12 hours. Great. Oh, man, um, you, you forget how special early rounds of majors can be. You talk about the veterans. We salute the veterans on day two at the Open. Take a look at this group of legends in action today. All 36 years of age or older, Chanda, other than Venus Williams, because we're going to talk a lot about her, who are you most looking forward to seeing? You know, I, I want to see uh, John Isner, you know, playing in his last U.S. Open, see how he comes out of the gate. This is a, a very uh, winnable match for him in terms of playing the more inexperienced player. Uh, but what a career John Isner has had. Always fun to see Gail Monfils as well. I mean, if I got to pick my, my top two mm -hmm. for those reasons, but tremendous to consider these players and the longevity. You see those eight names on the board? Unless someone is being quit, I, John Isner is the only one who's announcing his retirement. So it's it's not as though all those eight are doing a victory lap either. We've been talking about how tennis is maturing as a sport. Age 35, that's when you used to be eligible for the seniors. Uh, those are eight pretty good players in the seniors and actually on the current tour as well. Yeah, and you look at those, and the reason that they're still playing is so much of it's about the sports science, right? Because a lot of the players get injured later in their careers and they stop. You look at someone like Monfils and you look at someone like Stan Wawrinka, Andy Murray, those three in particular have dealt with so many amazingly difficult injuries. They want to keep going. And as a tennis fan, I want them to keep going. Mm -hmm. They're no longer seniors, as my friend Eliza says. They are elder millennials, ah, right? Okay. El elder millennials what would I in be? action. Uh, well, <laughs> whatever you want to be, Paul. Different you're, you're just a superstar. Okay. You know? <laughs> we'll go legend. A really oh, elder. Paul, <laughs> you are quick, Steve. I love it. You just, there's there's right. no shade. There's no shade on this set. That's for sure. Uh, a lot of talk about Venus Williams playing her 100th match at the U.S. Open. That is coming up later on TC Live. Plus, Novak Djokovic returning to the city that never sleeps and his first match was well past your kids bedtime nyc turning into upset city on monday chanda talked about it which top 10 seeds will have to check out of their hotels early and after a 17-year career john isner playing his last event we go on strong on arguably the greatest server to ever hold a racket TC Live at the U.S. Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Point, the official racket sports retailer of the ATP Tour. Shannon, John, Paul, and Steve back on TC Live leading up to first ball on day two in New York City. Women's returning champ, Igor Sviantek, first up on Arthur Ashe yesterday. New York, John, 
known for its bagels. So is Ega. This is this is just a match made in heaven for everyone other than Rebecca Peterson. Yeah, Rebecca Peterson had only two winners. Uh, that tells you something about Ega's defense. Her offense was pretty good too. Uh, remember, she won the title last year here and did not necessarily play her best. Um, it's hard to imagine a better best than what she gave us yesterday. A Bagel set to start things off. That was her 19th bagel of the year, and she only surrendered one more game in the second set. This was less than an hour. Four aces, 20 winners. Again, only two winners on the other side of the net. Uh, that's a very nice first-round match for our defending champ. About 41 bagels over the past two seasons. First player to do that since Monica Sellis and Steffi Groff. Uh, in the same quarter... Coco Goff had a much tougher test against Laura Sigamanchanda with Michelle and Barack Obama in the stands. Coco had the crowd voting for a comeback. Yeah, it was Sigamanchanda who got off to a quick start, getting the break in that first set, tucking it away. That long 26-minute game, the first game of the second, and Goff was able to win it, and that allowed her to get on the front foot. This was an incredible rally, tweener. the tweener from Sigamund, but Goff was ready for it, and I think that was the key early in the second set her getting that lead able to tuck the second set away she could relax a little bit more but this match was still a little tricky Siegerman coming in pushing forward pressing the issue but golf coming up with the goods three love here and this was contention contentious throughout the match the time that Siegerman was taking Heard Goff really going at the chair, got upset at three love, and it was a little surprising that she chewed on it for so long, but it didn't seem to have too much of a negative effect, although Siegelman was able to make a little bit of the of a run. Goff able to come up with the shots like that one here. Siegelman took time again after getting the warning, and then it was a point penalty. So Goff gets the game. And I think that kind of helped feel a little bit better about this situation. She was able to get through a tough the reset win onto the second round. Summed up the match in one word with our Pam Schreiber. Nothing easy about that match. Describe what it was like to play it. Slow. tennis. Uh, Laura, she's not an easy opponent. She fights to the end, and that's what she did today. Um, and, you know, I was able to overcome a lot of adversity, so I'm happy with how I played today, or happy how I managed to get through. <laughs> Slow. That's so good, huh? And the way she delivered that. The I mean, timing was great. Yeah, is she right? Good, good <laughs> comedic timing. timing. No, knows everything. So we saw Iga Judge, she lost one game. Coco, a oh, little, little bit of adversity there. How can overcoming that challenge, do you think, maybe pay some dividends later in this tournament? Yeah, I, I mean, I think in a weird way, that was kind of a great match. There was drama, there was a big crowd, there was, as she said, adversity. I mean, imagine what's going through her mind after the first set that she loses. She's had all this run-up, she's won two titles, she's on the cover of magazines. Am I really going to go out in round one on open? No, I'm not. So for her to fight through that and win 6-4 in the third... Much more complicated than Iga, who's in her pocket of the draw. But in a weird way, I think that was actually a great night for Coco. Yeah, look, and she's a great champion. I mean, she really is. Or is she, she has not won a major, but she's a champion. And you can tell by what she did in big moments there. And I love the fact that she is really aware that she didn't play great, and I found a way to win. Mm -hmm. And that's what great players do. They find ways to manage adversity and get through. And I, I don't know about you guys, but... I was sweating. I think all three of us picked her to win the tournament yesterday. Well, she had to change it up at the 
end. <laughs> Pick a, a little angebur, right? You switched it up? Oh, you did. I, I just put a little angebur yeah. in there. So you were hoping that <laughs> I was trying to take okay. pressure off of Coco. Yeah. You know, everybody's yeah. saying she you're going to win, job. you're going to win. Like, you know. She did a great yeah. job. And, and now the key, guys, is for her to take her average level and build on it. That's what great players do. They get through average matches, and their confidence doesn't waver. So now it's really important to watch her build from there. Yeah. Chan, I'm curious about this next match. Curious about this next match because we got the, the highest ranked teenager mm -hmm. in the world, Coco Golf, taking on the youngest teenager in the top 100, Mira Andreeva. Well, we saw them play uh, at Roland Garros yeah. and Golf showed her experience. She showed her poise. I think that's going to uh, be the case again. These courts, I don't think, will favor Andreeva quite as much. She had a little more time. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how, how Golf comes out. I mean, that first round, this match against Siegelman was always going to be a tough one. This is a tricky opponent for Golf. This is a match she, you know, would have lost and has lost a couple of years ago. Uh, and so I think this really was a test where now she can relax a little bit more. She's played Andreva already, so, you know, that doesn't have to be as big an issue as it was at, at Roland Garros, the huge buildup. Uh, so I think she'll have a little better time with it. Uh, but this was interesting to see golf kind of get a little unnerved during the match and, and really hang on to it a little bit long, especially when she was up in that third set. So mm. that was a little bit of a surprise. But she did get a little approval from Michelle Obama after yes. the match. She said, you got to speak up for yourself. That's <laughs> right. I think that made her feel a little bit better, golf. But uh, hopefully she can build on this and get better as the tournament goes on. I like a little aggro from Coco. I don't, I don't mind that at all. I'm here for that. All right. How about the top-ranked American man, Taylor Fritz, looking to make it past the third round of a major for the first time this year, Chanda faced former number one American, Stevie Johnson. Yeah, Fritz off to a great start. The forehand was massive, and that bothered Johnson from the start. And it was a little surprising. He really couldn't work his way into this match. Uh, but Fritz, so good when he needed to be. And getting that first set under his belt, that is such a huge advantage. Just allowing any player, but Fritz especially, to relax. Nice of New York City, and I think after getting the routine kind of points in that third set, Fritz just able to feel a lot better about his tennis, served well, and that was a big key for him as well. How about this one? All 23 of his first serve points picks up his first win against a fellow American at the U.S. Open. Uh, Paul, the match that had everyone talking upset made a lot of Canadians just, like, mad upset. Stefano Tsitsipas, no trouble with Milos Raonic. Yeah, he had a lot to say and did a great job of taking advantage of a poor first serve percentage. Raonic only 46%. If he's not firing that big cannon, he's more vulnerable. Tsitsipas using the dynamic athletic play to take advantage of Raonic. Look at the movement here. Easy shuffle for the forehand pass. You could see that Raonic had the leg strapped up a bit. We don't know how bad that knee is. But that one, yikes. Okay, folks, that's a little too close for comfort for me. Take a deep breath, and uh, Pass gets through in comfortable style. Really did a terrific job, and uh, I think that first serve percentage really was an issue. He got uh, broken five times from Stephanos. That's too much. Great start said he made it physical and it worked. Then the last match to take the court, Paul Novak Djokovic didn't step onto Arthur Ashe Stadium until around 11 p.m. And by the way, a win, and he is guaranteed to return to number one in the world. Yeah, he sure is. And uh, 
Muller has had a couple of rough draws, John, hasn't he? I think you said, didn't he play Alcraft? Yeah, does that for back-to-back -back That's That's rough, and uh, Novak got off to an 8-0 start in this match, and really, it was typical Novak Djokovic, just so accurate from the back of the court. Look at the balance and the movement and the ability to change direction at will. Keeps you on a string. This is exactly what Novak wanted to do to start the tournament. Got done uh, a little bit later than he would have liked, but a win is a win. 67th straight win in the opening round of a major. That is the longest streak in the open era. Obviously, there was a ceremony between matches, and I knew that uh, it might, I might have a late start. But uh, nevertheless, you know, um, I was excited to go out on the court. It has been a couple of years, and. To come in front of you guys is always a pleasure and an honor to play here in Arturash. So, thanks for coming out. Later on on TC Live, Big Foe in the Big Apple with dreams of his biggest title. See how his opponent learned a big lesson. You're watching TC Live. Back on TC Live, a reminder to download the U.S. Open app to follow your favorite players, track the latest scores, stats, match highlights, player news, and more. It is available in the App Store and Google Play Store. All right, time now to check in on some more American-seeded men. Francis Tiafo returning to New York, a top-10 player after his run to the semis last year, Chanda, taking on a 17-year-old lefty, Lerner Tien. Uh, Tiafo had won 17 straight against lefties. Yeah, and this would not change that stat, although the second set got a little tighter for all there, and this would have been a winner, or close to it against a lot of players, but not against the speed and athleticism of Francis Tiafo. And he started getting the crowd into it, and you know, when foe goes to work, people enjoy it. And he did an excellent job in this second set, handling the charge from the youngster. And here at match point, seemed almost inevitable at this stage after Foe won that second the way he did and able to run it out in the third set. 37 winners, broke seven times, said, if I die out here, I die out here. I'm putting it all on the line. Hopefully that's good enough. Tommy Paul, well, he has a chance to actually pass Tiafo, cracked the top ten for the first time in New York, John. Uh, took care of business in that first match. He did. Should we be talking more about Tommy Paul, semifinalist uh, in Australia? Beat Carlos Alvarez on North American hardcourt this summer and yesterday against the veteran Travaglia. No trouble at all. Tommy Paul, nice athletic player, slick mover, playing well lately, and yeah, has a chance to enter the top and not had great success at the U.S. Open historically. Uh, this is only his third match that he won in New York. Uh, in five tries, but he was terrific yesterday. You look at his draw, he is in that pocket where Olga Runa is now eliminated. So I think Tommy Paul's a player, uh, second week player. Uh, good, good bet here, Tommy Paul. Nice win yesterday, no problems. Up to a career high 11 in those live rankings gets Wimbledon quarterfinalist Roman Safulin next. And then another American in action, Seb Korda. He had to pull out of the Winston Salem semis last week with an ankle injury. Facing Marton Fucevic for the second time in five days, Paul. Yeah, Fucevic is uh, someone that no one likes to play. Terrific athlete, lots of variety. And for these guys, it was a chess match. It was really quite a battle. Fucevic, a tie-break win in the first set. And Seb did a terrific job hanging in. Got 
the early lead in the second to get that second set under his belt, but then Kuchovic, the veteran, been around a while, knows exactly what he needs to do to make Seb Korda uncomfortable, uses the forecourt well, uses the slice off the backhand, again, a great mover. So another tie break for Kuchovic in the third, and Korda shows some really nice resilience winning this four set, and off we go to a fifth, guys, and what's going to be the difference? Well, gang, the difference was Martin Kuchovic saving all four of his break points in spite of only serving about 33% success rate on the second serve in the fifth. So he toughed it out, and that there come the guns. That is a uh, scary sight, folks. That's what we call big Prakash energy. There it is. He knows his code. Prakash would be loving that. He, he <laughs> heck of an effort from Fuchovic. If there's one thing about Martin Fuchovic, we know the man can flex. <laughs> he doesn't miss too many uh, arm days. But um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, Seb Korda has so much game, and he's really had a couple nice results here and there. It's week two player in Australia, and it's been a lot of frustration since that. Uh, spare a thought for him. There's a lot of upside for Seb Quarter, but a uh, disappointing year and a hard time staying healthy. Now let's take a look at some of the matches that we've got going on today. We've got the top-ranked American woman in the world, Jessie Pagula, taking on Camilla Giorgi. 11th meeting between these two. It's the player she's beaten more than anyone else in her career. John, how do you see this one? Going? Yeah, strange match. I mean, you know, sometimes we have contrast. We, we've got offense versus defense, and we have uh, tall players versus not tall players. This is sort of Patience versus impetuous tennis, and I, I think Jesse will be okay here. I just think that Georgie can dazzle and has such a hard time sustaining it. However, the next seed, the first seed that Jesse Pagula would have to play if things hold is Svitolina. That makes me nervous. Camilla Georgie does not. I would be a little nervous about Camilla Georgie. They've had some tough battles, but I think Jesse should get through this match. I do think when you have a first-round opponent that you can't look past, just focuses you in a little bit more, hones you in right out of the gate. So I think that could actually be an advantage for uh, Jesse Pagula. But this has always been a little bit a tricky match, and this will be a good test as to where Pagula is at the start of the tournament. You never, I mean, Camilla Georgie could come out there, hit 50 winners in the first set, and it's like, all right, I, I guess we're resetting. Exactly. So it, it's interesting, but eight wins, Pagula over Camilla Georgie. We, we mentioned Alina Svitolina. The summer of Svitolina continues. One of ten mamas in the draw. I mean, it's been absolutely superhuman what she's been able to do. Still less than a year since she had baby Sky. A any challenge today against Annalena Friedson. Now, I mean, if you can come back after having a baby in that short <laughs> period of time, that's the biggest challenge. It's been incredible, um, the run that Svitolina has had since starting in Charleston. Mm -hmm. I mean, that first match was a battle, and she has just improved by leaps and bounds. This is the first time these two have met, so there's always a little uncertainty in those early rounds, just getting out of the gate, you know, especially for Svitolina, um, with, you know, so much that has changed in her life. So I think you know, these are the type of matches you want to get up for and you want to start off on a good foot. I think this one is very doable for her. She's a, a semifinalist at the U.S. Open uh -huh. in the past, so comfortable on these courts. Uh, so I like her in this one. Well, let's go from uh, one half of Jem's life to the other. The other. <laughs> Gael Monfils in action against Taro Daniel today. Uh, Monfils turns 37 on Friday. Will he be celebrating 
in New York? Well, one would think so, but Tower Daniel's a tricky player. He's one of these players that style matchup-wise actually isn't great for Mumphies. Mumphies love someone that comes at him, gives him targets, and he can use their pace, but he should have too much game, and, and da Daniel is a uh, one of these resolute players that doesn't give you much, but but I'll tell you what, when Gael's playing well, he is still a human highlight reel. Watched him practice last week, and you should have seen the crowd during his practice. The guy's off the charts still. I hope he stays healthy. Hope he gets through this one, and uh, hopefully he and his uh, better half can celebrate together. Yes. Good, day, huh? Good nice dinner in New York City. Any recommendations? John? You, uh, <laughs> let, let me know where they're staying. Uh, you know, you, you say when he's playing well. He's playing well. Uh, it's been a rough year injury-wise, and then he came back this summer, and he's had some very nice wins. Been to the semifinals at this event before. Um, again, we were talking about these older players. This is not the farewell tour. I mean, he's playing very competitive tennis. We'll see if it continues. Outside the top 50 in New York for the first time in his career. 15th appearance at the U.S. Open, and mm -hmm. just keeps it going. We got hot shots coming up on, on TC Live. And Gal Malfi's always a big-time hot shot participant. We are with you every single morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, two hours, taking you up to first ball. The live coverage on ESPN starts at noon Eastern. Much more TC Live after a quick break. TC Live, the squads are set. Team Europe and Team World ready to face off in Vancouver, Canada for the 2023 Labor Cup. Don't miss Tennis Channel's exclusive live coverage of the three-day event. It all gets underway Friday, September 22nd. Fritz, Tiafo, they'll both be there. We, didn't, we are leading you up to First Ball New York and USOpen.org is your online home for point-by-point -point live scoring, highlights, real-time stats, and draws. Visit the official tournament site at usopen.org today. Steve Weissman back in our studios, and the big three may be down to one right now, but Novak Djokovic kept a big streak alive for himself, Roger Federer, and Rafa Nadal. The U.S. Open remains the only major where they've never lost a first-round match. Now 52-0. Don't miss your chance at $100,000. Play Tennis Channel's Racket Bracket and choose the match winners in Flushing Meadows, for a chance to win cash prizes, including $50,000 jackpots for picking a perfect men's or women's bracket, scan this QR code on your screen or visit tennis.com slash play to enter. And hurry up. Deadline's Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. For a look at today's forecast in Queens, here is Fox Weather. I'm Fox Weather Meteorologist Mike Lestimay. Here's a look at today's U.S. Open forecast. Our pros can expect not only some scattered showers, but also temperatures in the mid-70s. You can always stream Fox Weather on your favorite connected TV device, like Samsung TV Plus. That's Channel 1010. It's always on and always free. Thank you, Michael. When we come back, it's a different type of weather from where John Isner's serving. We discuss the big man's last dance. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ruben Anico and Worth Iman Weissman back on TC Live at the U.S. Open. It's day two. And guess what? When American tennis needed a leader, John Isner stood tall. Ten straight years finishing in the top 20 with eight of them as the best of the best from the U.S. He aced the role like no one in history. John Wertheim with more on the big man's lasting legacy. He wasn't quite an alien species. Kids gather round to see the man of nearly seven feet scramble around a tennis court. But when John Isner left the University of Georgia to try and find fortune on the ATP Tour, he arrived as a singular player, a never-seen-before attraction. First, there was that serve and its angle of delivery. As Andy Roddick once put it, Isner seemed to be starting points from up in a tree. The second serve's coming at 120, and uh, I've never been the smallest server in a semifinal before. <laughs> Isner was built like a basketball player. Yes! Sometimes a full foot taller than the opponent but he hung in the rallies. While graceful is not the first adjective you'd apply to him, it does describe his transition to the pros. Within two years of leaving college, he was a mainstay in the top 20. Why? Yes, the serve, but also because of an unlikely stubbornness, an insistence on getting better. That's the thing about Isner. He stuck out and came with distinction. He towered over the field. He played and won the longest match in tennis history, a record we can say with virtual certainty will stand forever. He hit more aces than any player in history, more than 14,000. Another record we can say with virtual certainty will stand forever. But Isner's real strength, it was what we didn't see, the hours of practice, the hydration, the diet, the maintenance of a body that dangled over most hotel beds and weighed 250 pounds. The desire to make his awkwardness and one-of-a-kind game his true weapon. The results speak for themselves. Almost 500 match wins, 16 titles, maybe most impressive, 16 full years on the circuit. When Isner won that nutty match at Wimbledon, he was, as ever, philosophical. He was pleased for the place in history. But he said at the time that he hoped to be known for more than just winning a three-day match. Well, mission accomplished. Isner will play for the last time at the U.S. Open. He'll leave to go be with his wife Madison and their four kids. He'll leave having made a real mark on the sport. Proof that tennis can accommodate all body types, especially if the player is willing. He'll leave with his head high. Well done, as always, John, as we take a look at the numbers for Big John Isner, and they are large as well. 16 career title semifinals at Wimbledon back in 2018. Got to eight in the world when he won that excuse me, Miami Masters title. First and third longest matches of all time. And how about all those aces? All those aces. And we're still counting those aces. It's always a little sad when somebody retires. Also exciting to see what's next. But... So many records, so many iconic moments. To me, it's that consistency of staying inside the top 20, of staying inside the top 50, all, all those years as the American number one. What about you? 
Yeah, I think consistency is the name of the game, and that's what we look at, you know, for any top player. It's how you get to the top. It's how you stay at the top of the game, and it's one of the reasons John Isner has had such a terrific career. We talk so much about the serve uh, and, and how big of a weapon that was, but he understood how to serve. He understood how to produce that shot. He was such a smart player on court, playing to his strengths over and over again. It's not easy to know you're going to probably play a tiebreaker how many times over the course of a, a particular match, and to still approach it with the right mindset, the right mentality. So I think for Isner, you can learn a lot from how he went about his career. And I, we were talking about this in the break. You know, he was kind of that first player to reestablish, you know, college tennis as a viable pathway to come out of school and have an incredible career uh, and still feel like you can play at the top of the game. So a lot of things that he's done that can inspire the next generation. And he's continued to kind of be uh, the player at the top, you know, in terms of the mantle. We see Fritz now as the number one American, but John Isner is such an example of that. We talk about John Isner as this tennis unicorn. Andy Roddick said it's not, it's not like you can just ask your coach or your practice partner, hey, go, go be 6'10 and uh, serve 140 miles up the tee. Um, but what that also meant is that John Isner had to figure this out by himself. There wasn't another player of, of his size and his physique and his game. And I give him a lot of credit for sort of hacking tennis. Um, he had to figure a lot of this out himself. We talked about the, the diet and the hydration and the fact that he played 16 years. We talked about the consistency. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is really, well, we'll always know him for the serve. We'll always know him for the, the crazy match at Wimbledon. But I, I think the fact that he sort of hacked tennis at that height, I think is something he doesn't get enough credit for. I mean, you talk about reinvigorating the pathway for college tennis. Also, just tennis in general. That match against Nico Mahu, that got the world talk. People know John Isner that don't even watch the sport of tennis. You coached against him with a, a variety of players. And I'm curious to get everyone's thought on this, but we know he has the most aces ever, Paul. Is he the greatest server in tennis history? Just pure serve. Yeah. Serve, I would say yes. I mean, I mean, just a pure serve, I would say yes. And and there's so many things that John has done that have been amazing to watch. But when you look at these numbers and you look at the company he's in, I mean, this is just ridiculous. 14,400. Um, and, and look, a lot of those guys are are height-aided. The guy in the middle isn't really height-aided. Feli Lopez is about 6'4", Rogers about 6'1", the other guys, Goran, I believe is about 6'6", and Evo and John are up there, but at 14,400 guys, that's just under 19 aces per match Oof. for his entire career. Three, three out of five sets and two out of three together. So when you look at that, that's an awesome skill set, but that's not what impresses me the most. What impresses me the most is those 16 years on tour and 10 years in a row in the top 20 of the world. That is unbelievably impressive. And, and he's done it with a lot of class, a lot of dignity, and he's one of the most well-liked guys in the locker room. Just a terrific sense of humor, doesn't take himself too seriously, and uh, he's going to be sorely missed. And that's his doubles partner right there, the sorely <laughs> That's his twin, uh, Diego Schwartzman. Actually commented on, on Big John's post when he said he was retiring, and Diego said, I'm going to miss my twin. On tour, I mean, that just speaks to our sport, and, and you can be any size, shape, whatever, and, and be a top ten player. What, what kind of run do you think John Isner can make here at the U.S. Open, Chad? Can he can he get to the second week? 
I think he can. I mean, I think, you know, if he gets off to a good start, he is dangerous in any section of the draw. Nobody wants to face that kind of serving if he's serving well. Uh, the first match, I think, would be critical to just see the confidence that he's able to play with, if he's able to play uh, in those areas that are the strongest for him. Is, he's, is he able to get in consistently and really back up the big serving? Uh, but, yeah, I think he's got a, an absolute shot, and he's got to believe he mm -hmm. has a shot to do that. In the doubles draw as well. It's going to be weird to go out there knowing on the one hand, like, I'm here to win the trophy. I'm here to compete. But also in the back of your mind, no, boy, this could be it. So we'll see. You know, second, third set, we'll sort of see where John is. But no, I mean, on, on serve alone, you've got to consider him a contender for week two. And, and just off the court as well, just a great, he was one of the first pros that I actually became friends with. So kind and generous, always. We're talking about just a class yeah. act. So there's always a spot for you, John, on the cap, couch, on the desk. Bravo, you know, John. Join everybody else here at, here at Tennis Channel. But the last dance, keep, keep it going as long as possible there in New York City. When we come back, it is all about Queen V as she gets ready for her 24th U.S. Open. Nothing like a Venus Williams twirl under the lights on Arthur Ashe. Welcome back on day two at the U.S. Open. There are only two former women's champs in the draw, and one of them is two-time winner Venus Williams. The American legend won the trophy in 2000 and then 2001 over her sister Serena. Venus didn't drop a set all tournament. And that championship match was the first of nine major finals between the sisters. Take a look at Queen's Queen. That's right, Queen B, also a runner-up in 1997. Her first appearance when she was at the tender age of 17, now 43 years young. 24th appearance at the U.S. Open, most in the Open era and playing her 100th match today. You're calling this segment the game within the game as we talk Venus Williams. And quite a ride for Queen V, 24th appearance, 100th match, going for her 80th win at 43, Chanda. Seems like she could be playing until she was 50. She watched her sister Serena retire last year, but what do you think? How long is she going to go? I mean, that is anyone's guess. I mean, Venus clearly still loves to play. It is unbelievable how motivated she is to get back on the court, you know, in these matches, compete against players who are so much younger than she is, uh, but she's still out there winning matches, beating seeds, beating top players. It's incredible. I think overall uh, for Venus, it's about how much can she physically sustain within matches. Sometimes, you know, it's tough and two out of three sets. She gets down the stretch in the third and maybe just runs out of a little gas. You see the tennis is still there, and it's still incredibly tough to get past her. But hopefully she's ready to go and she can go the distance uh, because this could be a very nice opening round for her. It's been tough the last couple of U.S. Opens for Venus uh, in opening round matches, but this one I think is very doable. Yeah, she won her first 21 first-round matches in a row at the U.S. Open. Today, John, it's Greet Minnen, a qualifier who was actually favored in this match. It's on Arthur Ashe Stadium. It's under the lights. I mean, how can you bet against Venus? No, and it should be. I mean, these numbers we're throwing around, they are crazy. I mean, she won this event for the first time when Bill Clinton gave her a congratulatory call. We see 24 appearances in main draws at the U.S. Open now. That's a record. Here she was last year. She's seeing off her little sister, who, oh, yeah, was in her 40s as well. And I think sort of conventionally, well, when, when Serena's done, it changes the dynamic. Venus will probably retire soon thereafter. I don't think too many people thought 
A year after Serena retires, Venus is still playing, has given little indication this is a swan song. I mean, she's on our ashes, as you say, Steve, but it's not as though this is a retirement ceremony. And I just think it's fascinating that players want different things out of the sport. And for Venus, if she's still fulfilled simply competing, that's good enough for her. It's not often that we see a player who's won seven majors, who earlier in their career was accustomed to playing in the final weekend. To see them sort of downshift their expectations. But if, if she's happy just going out there, competing, playing great men and winning an occasional match, great. Let her keep going. I think she still feels she can win. I don't think there's any chance. Yeah, I don't think there's any chance she is satisfied, uh, per se, with losing. I mean, she's had to accept certain things at this stage of her career. But I think she very much feels that, you know, she can win these matches and maybe have another shot, you know, to compete for trophies and and. Maybe a big trophy, but it's Blessing. it's amazing. Yeah, I, I don't think the expectations have changed yeah. for Venus Williams. She would not be playing, Paul, if they had shifted. And she's gotten some big wins recently. First top 20 win in four years against Veronica Kudermatova. Yeah, and look, let's let's be honest. Great players have high expectations for themselves. I, I think she loves to compete, like you said, John. But she doesn't go on the court thinking, okay, you know, what can I do? And here's a great indication of it. A win over Kudermatova. We saw her on the grass season as well, play some terrific tennis. The question is how long? can she sustain it? Can she get through seven matches of a major? Could she get through five matches of a 32 draw? Um, but when we see things like we saw in Cincinnati, we saw some good tennis, a tough three-setter uh, here with Young. But the win over Kuda Matoba, to me, really resonated a bit because it takes a high level to get past a match like that. And those are the bits of information that great players need to keep going because she knows she can do it. Now the question is, how do I sustain it, particularly in New York, over two weeks. Well, one one way she can sustain it, the New York crowd. Mm. People are going to be behind her. It is going to be loud. She can build momentum. If she can get through a round or two pretty efficiently and uh, keep the health in line, there's no reason she can't play a high level. To me, it's just an absolute inspiration to see her out there believing in herself, putting in the work off court as well. I mean, she made her debut 1994 in Oakland. So next year's going to be the 30th yeah. year of Crazy. her hunt. How much do you think, John, we, we can expect to see from Venus next year? Next year? We're, we're already yeah, yeah. next year. Yeah. Uh, wow. Why not? I mean, again, I, I, think, I, mean, I think it's kind of a fascinating. You, we, we think that even well outside the top 100, she's 43 years old. It's tough to string together back to back. Do you think she genuinely, not, not that she's playing to lose or she's playing just to make the fourth round, do you think she genuinely thinks that trophy's mine. All I have to do is X, Y, Z, and I'm winning another one of these. I, I That's think, fascinating. Look, well, I just think that the older players that have done it before, look, and I remember, you know, Roger, too, is, oh, he loves the game. He loves the game of tennis. I think Venus loves it. She loves to be out there. She's done it for so long. And, and when you've done it that successfully for so long, it's really hard to totally erase self-belief. You know, and she has the tangible proof over so many years. So, like I said, you can see the big matches. And she's seen the glimpses of it. We saw it with Kuder Matova a bit in Cincinnati. Now it's, okay, how do I sustain it? So, great players want challenges. She has one. She's earned to do, in my opinion, whatever she wants. So, let's get it on. Let's yeah. get her out there keep and going. keep her playing. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for a player like Venus, and this is my take and, you know, just very basic conversations. We've had, you know, text conversations as well um, recently. You know, I think she still has that belief. I mean, you look at some of these matches, the win against Kuder Matova, you know, she was right in there with Madison Keys um, in the second set, her, the previous tournament. Uh, I think those kinds of matches 
give her that belief. And of course, a lot of it is ingrained. I mean, she is, has grown up believing in herself to the nth degree. It's why she has so many uh, big titles under her belt. That doesn't go away. So it's about the body. It's about the physical nature of it. Can she stay healthy enough? Can she physically kind of go the distance? And I think her mindset is that's the only thing stopping her right now. So if she can get healthy, if, you know, some special things can happen uh, over a given week, why not? You know, why not? And, and if you're still motivated, which is the biggest thing at this stage of any player's career, and clearly she is. N nothing like watching a competitor like that just yeah. give it all. I mean, that match against Camilla Georgie in Birmingham as well I mean, is just amazing to see Venus Williams out there. I think forget how good of a competitor Venus yes. is and always was. I mean, going up against her on the court, you got a real sense for that. You know, it was more than just the physical nature of her game. She is a hard-nosed competitor, and we're, we're still seeing it. We, we are. She'll be in the Hall of Fame at some point, but we'll, we'll just keep putting that off. Keep, keep playing, <laughs> Venus. When we come back, some huge upsets on day one. See how a couple top ten seeds were sent packing. Back on TC Live, the Tennis Shop, powered by Tennis Point, is the new online store featuring the latest apparel and equipment. So scan that QR code on your screen or visit TennisShop.com today to search a wide selection of brands and get the very same gear as your favorite pros. Tennis Shop, place to be. Also the place to be. Coming on to the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center, Daniil Medvedev. Four of his five titles this year on the hard courts. We will hear from him later in our warm and fuzzy segment as well. Former champion in New York City, Daniil Medvedev. Speaking of former champs in New York City, last time Dominic team won a match at the U.S. Open, he won the entire tournament, Paul. That was three years ago, trying to snap a six-match losing streak at Majors. on Alexander Kublin. How about an underhand serve on break point? Well, that kind of <laughs> summed up the day for Bublik. Dominic team got off to a great start, and uh, it was nice to see Dominic playing some terrific tennis. He's had such a rough go of it. Been a while since he started to play well in a major. I believe it's been a couple years since he's won a match in a major. And look at that. That is an alley on that racket. And, uh, Bublik had a rough day at the office, was muttering the whole time. Dominic Team just played high percentage Dominic Team tennis. Power ground used to big spots, served well, got off to a lead in both uh, all three sets. And uh, happy day for that man. Good to see. It is great to see. First Grand Slam win in 927 days. Meantime, one of our own, Carolina Wozniacki, first major since returning to the tour, Chanda. Third tournament overall, back like she never left. And, you know, that's the uncertainty is getting back into a big event, a big tournament like the U.S. Open. How are you going to play? How's that, you know, first, first set going to go? And for Wozniacki, able to get the win in the first, some nice volleys, aggressive play up at the net, and she was off and running. And in the second set, able to battle. There were still some tense games, some tense moments, but... Waz did what Waz does, and she just <laughs> stayed the course. The defense, uh, second to none, picking up kind of where she left off uh, when she retired. And this was a terrific start to her U.S. Open. She was and ever will be. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, very witty. Next match against Petra Kvitova. Circle that one. It's going to be a good one. Uh, fellow Dane Holger Runa playing as the four seed in New York, but got put on court five. He tweeted out a site map. <laughs> That's good. To help his fans find the court. You think Holger wanted to be on a bigger court? Well, 
He may not be on any more courts. Taking on Roberto Carbias by in a rematch from Wimbledon that Runa won, John, but uh, hasn't won a match since. Yeah, Chanda was telling me about a tennis rule. If you complain about your court assignment, when you actually get there, you've got to win the match. And uh, that didn't happen. Uh, the, the GPS went to court five, and it was all Carbias by in the Spanish veteran. Good for Holger Runa. He's 20 years old. He's the fourth seed. But, boy, has his game really been in decline. Uh, has not won a match since Wimbledon. He didn't have a lot of success here in the North American hardcore circuit coming in, and it didn't come yesterday. It was broken five times. This was a career win, and let's not take anything away from the Spanish opponent, but some real questions suddenly around Holger Runa. Was he fully healthy? Does he need some time off? Uh, things are not going well. This was an upset on court five, and we don't have to worry about future court assignments for Holger this tournament. That's the biggest upset of the day. From a qualifier last year to a seeded star this year, we check in on Chris Eubanks' first round match, and from big banks to big bucks, show you which players broke the bank this year on Forbes' annual list. Warm and fuzzy, evoking teddy bear feels, but today... It's a Medi Bear with Michael Costa. Stay with us. John Paul, Chanda Steve back on TC Live. There's our friend Madison Keys coming onto site, former finalist here at the U.S. Open Place. Aronska Roos on Lewis Armstrong Stadium later today. As we take a look at all these key Americans in action today, the top-ranked woman, Jesse Pagula, against Camilla Georgie. Hard to discuss that a little bit. Sophia Kennan. John, what's the what's the, the Wertheim stat about her? Oh, you got me. Last American to major. Still, yeah. Sophia Kennan, right? That's wild. Uh, as we have our Americans in action segment, how, how many Americans we think uh, are winning today out of that? I mean, all of them could actually get through. I think we'll maybe have four. Okay. Out of the six. I mean, Four. you know, just, just allowing for the odds sometimes. So yeah. it's tennis. I'm going five out of six. Five out of are. six. Name names. Uh, yeah, exactly. Parks <laughs> <laughs> uh, has a keen as tricky. I'm just, just trying to give myself a little margin for error like my mixed doubles partner, Chandler. <laughs> it's tennis, Paul. You know that. Yeah. It's tennis. Go out and prove them wrong. Let's go six for six today. Uh, 2017 U.S. Open champs, Lone Stevens, has found some good form this summer, Chanda, but had never beaten Beatrice Haddad Maya. Yeah, this is a tough match up for uh, Stevens as well. Haddad Maya, a rangy, strong player from the ground. She can also transition uh, and come in. She's got tons of confidence this year, Haddad Maya, after breaking into the top ten. And Sloan battle. It was impressive. She fought in this match, getting that second set, turning the tables there, down the stretch in the third. It was just tough to keep the level, to sustain against some tricky shots from Haddad Maya. She's such a smart player around the court in critical moments, an excellent competitor, and that really came through in the end. And terrific performance, happy for Stevens. Hopefully she can continue to build on this kind of play, but Haddad Maya, too good in the end. Over the last two years, no woman has won more three-set matches than Bia Haddad Maya. Three names, three sets. She takes care of business. 28 of those victories. How about Tennis Channel's own Taylor Townsend, top-ranked American doubles player, but can get back inside the top 100 in singles, Channel with a couple wins here. I mean, this is terrific from uh, 
Taylor. And, you know, this is another one of those matches where she knew she could win it, get through it, was one of the last players to get into the main draw. You want to make good on that opportunity. Uh, and for Townsend, just played some inspired tennis. I loved how she was getting shape on her ground strokes, a little spin on the forehand side, working the halves of the court. Just a confident match uh, from Townsend, especially in the teeth of it. The second set down the stretch got a little trickier, but she was so focused <laughs> getting through it. Oh, don't sleep on Tay Tay. <laughs> and check out her Instagram story, by the way. The dance moves with the penguins. I mean, that, that was on point. Uh, Felix OJLA seen John, has only won one match since the end of April. So huge opportunity here for Mackie McDonald. Yeah, don't, don't sleep on Mackie McDonald, too, who's won off his career high ranking. Not so far away from being seated. Mackie's won a lot of matches this year. But, yeah, I think a lot of the story is what's going on with Felix. Because uh, something ain't right. Felix OJLA, this guy, you know, number six in, uh, in, in the world at the end of last year. He's sub 500 for the season. So uh, another rough outing yesterday, and I'm not sure if this is physical. There's been a fissure in confidence. Nice win for Mackey, but Felix out and is now 14 and 15, sub Yikes. 500 for 2023. Brew Bruin up to a career high 37 in the live rankings, and then we go to a former Georgia Tech star. Our own Chris Eubanks, seated 28, first time at a Grand Slam a year ago, qualified with rank 145. Paul, hey, he just keeps on winning. Big Banks in the house, guys. One of my favorite things about Chris Eubanks, he knows his tennis identity, and it is shining right now. Power shots like that forehand. He's trusting it. He's going to win or lose doing what he does best, and he is going to enjoy this ride in New York City. Two terrific first set, first couple of sets. Third set had a little bit of a hiccup and uh, got down a big uh, deficit, went down 6-0, but a nice rebound here in the fourth. Again, a big power ground. He's a clarity every time the ball's up at chest height. No indecision. He crushes it. He creates a lot of offense, creates doubt and indecision, and in doing so has also created a ton of confidence in himself. Certainly has. Another win for Chris Eubanks. It's like routine now. He was asked what's the biggest change in the past few months. And he said, well, uh, normally I'd be on court four or five. I was on grandstand. <laughs> they pushed the four seed to court five. They put me on grandstand. As they should. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's big banks tennis. And, you know, he's box office now. He's an American playing in his home slam. It is absolutely appropriate. And he played tennis like he belonged. And I was impressed with that. In that th uh, third set, you could see he was feeling a little ill. And so I think for me, his ability to reset and recover and find a way through that match is huge. We talk about it all the time. You're not going to play your highest level from the first match. You'll have some dips in you know, certain matches, there's a certain rhythm, uh, you know, to each and every match. And I think he rode that rhythm beautifully, got back to what he does well, which is the big serving, the big hitting. And it was impressive to see down the stretch. That third set, he was broken three times. Probably doesn't happen a lot to him. Uh, reset very nicely. That was a, a veteran win and the looming seed in his draw, Sitsipas, whom he beat at the previous major. Yeah, and, and look, when you have weapons like Chris does, you can beat anybody on any given day. And I think one of the most important things for him, uh, particularly in this event, is to try to manage all the chaos, too, right? There's a lot of stuff going on in his life. A 99.9% .9 is great, but also rest, recovery, prioritization, all that stuff in terms of being professional is really tricky. He's having a great ride. He's doing everything right right now. So now it's a matter of just hitting that reset button after a solid win yesterday. Get back to it.
Great day for former and current Tennis Channel employees oh, at the U.S. Open. Tay Tay, Big Banks, Wozniacki. Dominic Team. Dominic Team. Dominic Team got to win. That's right. Still to come, we'll break down all the big matches today, and Paul will let you know how many unseated men will make the final eight in New York. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Here comes young Frenchman Arthur Fies on to site. Live rankings had him at a career-high 46. Youngest teenager in the top 100. Takes on the 24-seed Talon Greekspor later today on Court 10. Remember to use your tennis knowledge for a chance to win $50,000. Scan this QR code on your screen or go to tennis.com slash play to enter the match point predictor game. Answer questions about the action in Flushing Meadows to earn cash prizes and become eligible for the $50,000 perfect score jackpot. And the deadline is today, 11 a.m. Eastern. It is coming up. So get your answers in. Here are the questions that we are asking you. Who will be the champs on both the men's and women's side? Predict the number of games played in both the men's and women's final. We gave you the answer, at least chanted it, to how many unseated women will reach the quarterfinals. That was yesterday. She said two. We've got the great Paul Anacone with us today to answer the question before that. How many unseated men, Paul, are going to make the quarterfinals here? Help the people. Well, Chandler with two. Yeah. I'm going to cut that in half, Steve. I'm going with one. Ah. Always a bit of a roll of the dice, but I'm going with numero uno for 2023. Okay. There were none last year. The year before, there were two. And one of those, guess what, was an unseated Carlos Alcaraz. Aha. Uh -huh, and look where he is now. Number one in the world in the top seat. As always, right now, we have a warm and fuzzy segment with our own Michael Costa. Take a listen. How is fatherhood going? Any dad tips? Tips? No, I think... I think I'm too inexperienced at this yet to to give any tips. Uh, and yeah, when uh, when you play tennis, you kind of live a different life, travel travel so much. Yep. Uh, I had my daughter with me and my wife in uh, Doha in Dubai, but because I won most of them and you had to travel fast, I was not seeing my daughter often. I was playing all the matches at night, so right. when I was coming back, she was sleeping, and when I was going uh, to the court, you have to go early, so I was like leaving it one or something so i only saw her just a little bit in the morning so yeah i'm definitely uh, not the best one at giving tips but uh, okay. it's great it's only good uh, great great emotions and it's an amazing feeling get past that uh, pink blanket that he had next to him there you can see all of michael costa's great work on these warm and fuzzy segments at tennischannel.com and coming up next we get you ready for day two with all the big highlights and match previews. Don't go anywhere. Shannon, John, Paul, and Steve back on TC Live leading up to first ball on day two in New York City. Women's returning champ Iga Sviantek first up on Arthur Ashe yesterday. New York, John, known for its bagels. So is Iga. This is, this is just a match made in heaven for everyone other than Rebecca Peterson. Yeah, Rebecca Peterson had only two winners. Uh, that tells you something about Iga's defense. Her offense was pretty good, too. Uh, remember, she won the title last year here and did not necessarily play her best. Um, it's hard to imagine a better best than what she gave us yesterday. A 
bagel set to start things off. That was the 19th bagel of the year, and the Chili surrendering one more game in the second set. This was less than an hour. Four aces, winners. Again, only two winners on the other side of the net. Uh, that's a very nice first-round match for our defending champ. About 41 bagels over the past two seasons. First player to do that. It's Monica Sellis and Steffi Groff. Uh, in the same quarter, Coco Goff had a much tougher test against Laura Sigamanchanda with Michelle and Barack Obama in the stands. Coco had the crowd voting for a comeback. Yeah, it was Sigaman who got off to a quick start, getting the break in that first set, tucking it away. That long 26-minute game, the first game of the second, and Goff was able to win it, and that allowed her to get on the front foot. This was an incredible rally. Tweener. The tweener from Sigamund, but Goff was ready for it, and I I think that was the key early in the second set. Her getting that lead, able to tuck the second set away. She could relax a little bit more. But this match was still a little tricky. Siegemann coming in, pushing forward, pressing the issue. But golf coming up with the goods. Three love here. And this was contention, contentious throughout the match. The time that Siegemann was taking. Heard Goff really going at the chair, got upset at three love, and it was a little surprising that she chewed on it for so long, but it didn't seem to have too much of a negative effect, although Siegemann was able to make a little bit of the, of the run. Goff able to come up with the shots like that one here. Siegemann took time again after getting the warning, and then it was a point penalty, so Goff gets the game, and I think that kind of helped her feel a little bit better about this situation. She was able to get through a tough the reset win on to the second round. Summed up the match in one word with our Pam Shriver. Nothing easy about that match. Describe what it was like to play it. Slow. She's not an easy opponent. She fights to the end, and that's what she did today. Um, and, you know, I was able to overcome a lot of adversity, so I'm happy with how I played today, or happy how I managed to get through. <laughs> Slow. That's so good, huh? And the way yeah. she delivered that. The I mean, timing was perfect. Yeah, is she right? Good, good <laughs> timing. timing. No, knows everything. So we saw Iga Judge. She lost one game. Coco, a little, little bit of adversity there. How can overcoming that challenge, do you think, maybe pay some dividends later in this tournament? Yeah, I, I mean, I think in a weird way, that was kind of a great match. There was drama. There was a big crowd. There was, as she said, adversity. I mean, imagine what's going through her mind after the first set that she loses. She's had all this run-up. She's won two titles. She's on the cover of magazines. Am I really going to go out in round one on open? No, I'm not. So for her to fight through that and win 6-4 in the third... Much more complicated than Iga, who's in her pocket of the draw. But in a weird way, I think that was actually a great night for Coco. Yeah, look, and she's a great champion. I mean, she really is. Already. She, she has not won a major, but she's a champion. And you can tell by what she did in big moments there. And I love the fact that she is really aware that she didn't play great and I found a way to win. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what great players do. They find ways to manage adversity and get through. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I was sweating. I think all three of us picked her to win the tournament yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, Chad, change it up at the end. A little angebur, right? You switched it up? Oh, you did. I, I just to be different. Yeah. in there. So you were hoping that I was trying to take okay. pressure off of Coco. Yeah. You know, everybody's yeah. saying she you're going to win. Job. You're going to win. Like, you know. She did a great yeah. job. And, and now the key, guys, is for her to take her 
average level and build on it. That's what great players do. They get through average matches, and their confidence doesn't waver. So now it's really important to watch her build from there. Yeah. Chad, I'm curious about this next match. Curious about this next match because we got the, the highest-ranked teenager mm -hmm. in the world, Coco Golf, taking on the youngest. Teenager in the top 100, Mira Andreeva. Well, we saw them play uh, at Roland Garros, yeah. and Goff showed her experience. She showed her poise. I think that's going to uh, be the case again. These courts, I don't think, will favor Andreeva quite as much. She had a little more time. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how, how Goff comes out. I mean, that first round, this match against Siegemann was always going to be a tough one. This is a tricky opponent for Goff. This is a match she you know, would have lost and has lost a couple of years ago. Uh, and so I think this really was a test where now she can relax a little bit more. She's played Andreva already, so, you know, that doesn't have to be as big an issue as it was at, at Roland Garros, the huge buildup. Uh, so I think she'll have a little better time with it. Uh, but this was interesting to see Goff kind of get a little unnerved during the match and, and really hang on to it a little bit long, especially when she was up in that third set. So that was a little bit of a surprise. But she did get a little approval from Michelle Obama after yes. the match. She said, you got to speak up for yourself. That's right. I think that that made her feel a little bit better, Goff, but uh, hopefully she can build on this and get better as the tournament goes on. I like a little aggro from Coco. I don't, I don't mind that at all. I'm here for that. All right, how about the top-ranked American man, Taylor Fritz, looking to make it past the third round of a major for the first time this year. Chanda faced former number one American, Stevie Johnson. Yeah, Fritz off to a great start. The forehand was massive. And that bothered Johnson from the start. And it was a little surprising. He really couldn't work his way into this match. Uh, but Fritz, so good when he needed to be. And getting that first set under his belt, that is such a huge advantage. Just allowing any player, but Fritz especially, to relax. Knights of New York City. And I think after getting the routine kind of points in that third set, Fritz just able to feel a lot better about his tennis, served well, and that was a big key for him as well. How about this one? All 23 of his first serve points picks up his first win against a fellow American at the U.S. Open. Uh, Paul, the match that had everyone talking upset made a lot of Canadians just, like, mad upset. Stefano Sitsipas, no trouble with Milos Raonic. Yeah, he had a lot to say and did a great job of taking advantage of a poor first serve percentage. Raonic only 46%. He's not firing that big cannon. He's more vulnerable. Since he passed using the dynamic athletic play to take advantage of Raonic. Look at the movement here. Easy shuffle for the forehand pass. You can see that Raonic had the leg strapped up a bit. We don't know how bad that knee is. But that one, yikes. Okay, folks, that's a little too close for comfort for me. Take a deep breath, and uh, since he passed, gets through in comfortable style, really did a terrific job. And uh, I think that first serve percentage really was the issue. He, uh, he got broken five times for stepping up. That's too much. Greg Starr said he made it physical and it worked. Then the last match to take the court, Paul Novak Djokovic didn't step onto Arthur Ashe Stadium until around 11 p.m. And by the way, a win. And he is guaranteed to return to number one in the world. Yeah, he sure is. And uh, Mueller has had a couple of rough draws, John, hasn't he? I think you said, didn't he play Alcaraz? Yeah, how's that for back-to-back, -back, mate? That's, that's rough. And uh, Novak got off to an 8-0 start in this match. And really, was typical Novak Djokovic, just so accurate from the back of the court. Look at the balance and the movement and the ability to change direction at will. Keeps you on a string. This is exactly what Novak wanted to do to start the tournament got done uh, a little bit later than he would have liked, but a win is a win. 67th straight win in the opening round of a major. That is the longest streak in the open era.
obviously there was a ceremony between matches and I knew that uh, it might I might have a late start but uh, nevertheless you know um, I was excited to go out on the court it has been a couple of years and to come in front of you guys is always a pleasure and an honor to play here in Arturash so thanks for coming out Later on on TC Live, Big Foe in the Big Apple with dreams of his biggest title. See how his opponent learned a big lesson. You're watching TC Live. TC Live, a reminder to download the U.S. Open app to follow your favorite players, track the latest scores, stats, match highlights, player news, and more. It is available in the App Store and Google Play Store. All right, time now to check in on some more American-seeded men. Francis Tiafo returning to New York, a top-ten player after his run to the semis last year, Chanda, taking on a 17-year-old lefty, Lerner Tien. Uh, Tiafo had won 17 straight against lefties. Yeah, and this would not change that stat. Although the second set got a little tighter for all there. And this would have been a winner or close to it against a lot of players, but not against the speed and athleticism of Francis Tiafo. And he started getting the crowd into it. And you know, when foe goes to work, people enjoy it. And he did an excellent job in this second set, handling the charge from the youngster. And here at match point, seemed almost inevitable at this stage after Foe won that second the way he did and able to run it out in the third set. 37 winners, broke seven times, said if I die out here, I die out here. I'm putting it all on the line. Hopefully that's good enough. Tommy Paul, well, he has a chance to actually pass Tiafo, crack the top ten for the first time in New York, John. Uh, took care of business in that first match. He did. Should we be talking more about Tommy Paul, semifinalist uh, in Australia, beat Carlos Alvarez on North American hardcourt this summer, and yesterday against the veteran Travaglia, no trouble at all. Tommy Paul, nice athletic player, slick mover, playing well lately, and, yeah, has a chance to enter the top and not had great success at the U.S. Open historically. Uh, this is only his third match that he won in New York uh, in five tries, but he was terrific yesterday. You look at his draw, he is in that pocket where Holger Luna is now eliminated. So I think Tommy Paul's a player, uh, second week player. Uh, good, good bet here, Tommy Paul. Nice win yesterday, no problems. Up to a career high 11 in those live rankings gets Wimbledon quarterfinalist Roman Safulin next. And then another American in action, Seb Korda. He had to pull out of the Winston-Salem semis last week with an ankle injury, facing Marton Fucevic for the second time in five days, Paul. Yeah, Fucevic is uh, someone that no one likes to play. Terrific athlete, lots of variety. And for these guys, it was a chess match. It was really quite a battle. Fucevic, a tiebreak win in the first set. And Seb did a terrific job hanging in, got... The early lead in the second to get that second set under his belt, but then Fuchovic, the veteran, been around a while, knows exactly what he needs to do to make Seb Korda uncomfortable, uses the forecourt well, uses the slice off the backhand, again, a great mover. So another tie break for Fuchovic in the third, and Korda shows some really nice resilience winning this four set, and off we go to a fifth, guys, and what's going to be the difference? Well, gang... The difference was Martin Kuchovic saving all four of his break points in spite 
of only serving about 33% success rate on the second serve in the fifth. So he toughed it out, and that there come the guns. That is a uh, scary sight, folks. That's what we call big Prakash energy. There it is. He knows his code. Prakash would be loving that. He, he, <laughs> heck of an effort. From and if there's one thing about Martin Fucevic, we know the man can flex. <laughs> he doesn't miss too many uh, arm days. But um, <laughs> I, I think you know, Seb Korda has so much game, and he's really had a couple nice results here and there. It's week two player in Australia, and it's been a lot of frustration since that. Uh, spare a thought for him. There's a lot of upside for Seb Corder, but a uh, disappointing year and a hard time staying healthy. Well, let's take a look at some of the matches that we've got going on today. We've got the top-ranked American woman in the world, Jessie Pagula, taking on Camilla Georgie. 11th meeting between these two. It's the player she's beaten more than anyone else in her career. John, how do you see this one going? Yeah, strange match. I mean, you know, sometimes we have contrast. We, we've got offense versus defense, and we have uh, tall players versus not tall players. This is sort of Patience versus impetuous tennis, and I, I think Jesse will be okay here. I just think that Georgie can dazzle and has such a hard time sustaining it. However, the next seed, the first seed that Jesse Pagula would have to play if things hold is Svitolina. That makes me nervous. Camilla Georgie does not. I would be a little nervous about Camilla Georgie. They've had some tough battles, but I think Jesse should get through this match. I do think when you have a first-round opponent that you can't look past, just focuses you in a little bit more, hones you in right out of the gate. So I think that could actually be an advantage for uh, Jesse Pagula. But this has always been a little bit a tricky match, and this will be a good test as to where Pagula is at the start of the tournament. You never, I mean, Camilla Georgie could come out there, hit 50 winners in the first set, and it's like, all right, I, I guess we're resetting. Exactly. So it, it's interesting, but eight wins, Pagula over Camilla Georgie. We, we mentioned Alina Svitolina. The summer of Svitolina continues. One of ten mamas in the draw. I mean, it's been absolutely superhuman what she's been able to do. Still less than a year since she had baby Sky. A any challenge today against Annalena Fritzel. Now, I mean, if you can come back after having a baby in that short <laughs> period of time, that's the biggest challenge. It's been incredible, um, the run that Svitolina has had since starting in Charleston. Mm -hmm. I mean, that first match was a battle, and she has just improved by leaps and bounds. This is the first time these two have met, so there's always a little uncertainty in those early rounds, just getting out of the gate, you know, especially for Svitolina, um, with, you know, so much that has changed in her life. So I think you know, these are the type of matches you want to get up for and you want to start off on a good foot. I think this one is very doable for her. She's a, a semifinalist at the U.S. Open uh -huh. in the past, so comfortable on these courts. Uh, so I like her in this one. Well, let's go from uh, one half of Jem's life to the other. <laughs> other. <laughs> Gael Malfis in action against Taro Daniel today. Uh, Malfis turns 37 on Friday. Will he be celebrating in New York? Well, one would think so, but Taro Daniel's a tricky player. He's one of these players that style matchup-wise actually isn't great for Malfis. Malfis loves someone that comes at him, gives him targets, and he can use their pace, but he should have too much game, and, and da Daniel is a uh, one of these resolute players that doesn't give you much, but but I'll tell you what, when Gael's playing well, he is still a human highlight reel. Watched him practice last week, and you should have seen the crowd during his practice. The guy's off the charts still. I hope he stays healthy. Hope he gets through this one, and uh, hopefully he and his uh, better half can celebrate together. Yes. Good day, huh? Get a nice dinner in New York City. Any recommendations, John? You, uh, <laughs> let, let me know where they're staying. Uh, you know, you, you say when he's playing well. He's playing well. Uh, it's been a rough year injury-wise, and then he came back this summer, and he's had some very nice wins. Been to the semifinals at this event before. Uh, again, we were talking about these older players. This is not... 
the farewell tour. I mean, he's playing very competitive tennis. We'll see if it continues. Outside the top 50 in New York for the first time. For 15th appearance at the U.S. Open and mm -hmm. just keeps it going. We got hot shots coming up on, on TC Live. And Gal Monfils, always a big-time hot shot participant. We are with you every single morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, two hours, taking you up to first ball. The live coverage on ESPN starts at noon Eastern. Much more TC Live after a quick break. Back on TC Live, we saw Daniil Medvedev arrive. We saw him in warm and fuzzy. Now we see him in the gym. Comes in as a top three seed for the third year in a row. Got the medicine ball going on. Top five seed in the fifth straight year. Here comes Jesse Pagula arriving on site. Get Highest she's ever been seated yeah. here at this event. Getting ready for a big day, Jesse Pagula. She's trying to break the jinx, isn't she, Chandler? Hasn't gotten she's through that next trying level. Trying to get to a major semifinal for the first time. Maybe she can do it here. She's one of the three to see on Tennis.com. Steve Tigner does it every day. Pagula Isner and Venus Williams. Steve Tigner gives you his three to see and then uh, does an awesome job. So check it out, Tennis.com. See why he did not pick all three Americans to be victorious today. Good tease. Oh, yeah, we got to go check that out. Got tennis. There's our guy, Ken. President of Tennis Channel, there Ken Solomon, uh, joined by Andrea Petkovic and a slew of others. They rang the bell at the NASDAQ today, John. It means uh, the market's headed up. It can only mean one thing. It's up nearly 200 points today. I'm just saying. There right. you go. Look at you. Yeah. I like the Wilson racket, yeah. like standing front and center. That's good product placement. Is that, yeah, product you know what's placement. Weird? You know what's weird about that? That's the actual racket that Steve Weissman uses. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little large, but he never He needs a bigger sweet spot. I still miss. I still miss half of the spot. time. Every time. Susie's there. Eric Abner. Got, got a lot of Tennis Channel folks there. As we enter the social net, Forbes magazine, uh, every single year puts out its list of top-earning tennis players. We love to see this, and with Roger Federer finally out, although I, I still think he made more money off the court than any of these players, but according to Forbes, he did uh, not. I, what what do think I would bet to differ. Um, yeah. I'm not Rafa sure these numbers, 15. right? 15.5 million? I'm no financial expert, guys, but that may be a little low. Yeah. Didn't Federer have a 10-year, $300 million deal with, with Uniqlo? I'm pretty yeah, sure right. Roger would be on that list. Yeah. Sure. Sh show your work. Um, <laughs> these, these numbers look curious. Regardless, point being, uh, tennis players can do quite well in addition to prize money, right? Isn't that the yep. takeaway? That's the headline. Yeah. The, we can quibble, quibble over some of those figures, though. Those seem a little strange, given what we know about existing deals. Anyway. Yeah, moving on. There's from top ten. You aren't claiming all of them. Last night was a beautiful ceremony in Arthur Ashe Stadium in the middle of the night session to celebrate the 50th anniversary of equal prize money at the U.S. Open. Michelle Obama was there, gave an awesome speech. Sarah Barella sang a beautiful song, and then it was all honoring Billie Jean King, 50th anniversary, equal pay. First Grand Slam to do it, Chanda. Yeah, and, you know, it was kind of cute. Everybody had the glasses on, so synonymous with Billie Jean King, and you know, continue to appreciate everything she stood for, everything she fought for. And again, during the middle of her career, it's just phenomenal when you think about it and how much money is now on the table for the women especially, and we owe so much of that to her. Absolutely. $3 million apiece for the winners of the U.S. Open this year, and uh, record-breaking $65 million total prize money, John. 
Yeah, imagine saying to Billie Jean King, uh, you know, whatever, 50 years ago, uh, but by the time you get around to turning 80, you're going to have your image synonymous with a tournament named for you. The former first lady is going to invite you to talk about 50 years of equal prize money. And as Shanna says, you say, the, the winner of which uh, will get $3 million. So uh, we've come a long way is a catchphrase, but it also is uh, very true in this case. Yeah, it's amazing when you see the longevity and also the passion that Billie Jean still has and still fighting for equality and fighting for everything that uh, deservedly so all the women should get and all the athletes and all the recognition. So great to see the Obamas there last night. So it was uh, something pretty special to watch. It certainly was. Well, the newly enhanced USOpenShop.org is the official shop for 2023 US Open merchandise. Get US Open gear for the whole family and check out a variety of one-of-a-kind US Open accessories. I think you can get uh, a poster with Billie Jean King on it. In fact, USOpenShop.org. Check it out today. Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. It is that time. People Magazine stars in the stands. New York City brings them out. Coco Goff said they told her Michelle Obama was going to be there, but then she saw Barack and was like, oh my God. Both of them were there. Amazing. And she had already, she had already met Michelle Obama. Uh -huh. So Barack Obama meeting him, that was the highlight for her night. They stayed for the whole Djokovic match, too. Left at 12.45. I don't know for a fact. But uh, <laughs> they did stay past the ceremony. So uh, good for the former first couple. That's right. And uh, how about the there 2006 champ, Maria Sherp? Wait, where'd she go? She's in the stands. There, there she is. is. <laughs> She's back. Maria Sharapova now. Always good to see Maria. Anna, Anna Wintour in the Anna foreground. Right. Lower left. Yeah. Notice the shades. Mm -hmm. Gives it away. And, and the, uh, the bob cut. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. For more stars in the stands, visit people.com. And it gives us all uh, invites to the Met Gala next year. Thank you very much. All right, now here we got the music, John. Oh, it's the worst out of the day. Yeah, you should say that. Got, um, got Steve mentioned earlier about Jem's life going out to dinner. Look at this. This is their career earnings. So here are two players, two different countries, two tours. They're whatever it is, eight years apart in age. Look at this. 21 million. 433. They're within like 4% of each other. Earth. I mean, Who picked after up the this event, that's what I'm saying. So, right now, it is Alina. If uh, you know, they're, they're filing jointly in their taxes, but uh, very, very close. I mean, two players, totally different careers, and they're within like 2% of each other in career prize. That's pretty cool. So, they could go to 11 Madison Park and like be fine. They'll be okay. Yeah, yes. exactly. We're not worried. Yeah. We're not worried about cash flow. No, no, not at all. They're, they're, they're you know, nearly 50 million bucks. But Gal, actually, that, they get, needs a little work to do. Well, after this tournament, uh, we'll see where see. they stand. He, he may, It'll yeah, be an ongoing Wertheim stat. Exactly. I like that. I like, and I like that we got the music back. Let's take a look at the featured matches today on Arthur Ashe Stadium. Come on, B. Keep going with that. No, just come on, B. Just fight. <laughs> just get out there and do it. Show us what you got. How about Alcaraz and Kepper? What do you think of that? Kepper's a grinder. Under it's, the lights? Yeah, it's going to be, it's not going to be easy. I'll tell you what, uh, he is someone with his leftiness. Can be a little problematic, but uh, Alcaraz, maybe a little too much talent. I don't I don't see any yeah. trouble for him. Kepper, 0-5 against top 10 guys, Grand Slams. Yeah, right. it's tough to get your first top top 10 win.
top five win, yeah. number world number one win <laughs> at a major. I mean, all of that. Uh, I think it'll be a little, little too tall of a task. But you never know. I mean. That's why they've got to be ready. They've got to be ready. Never never played before those two. And I also just think, you know, Venus plays. We'll see what kind of mood the crowd is in. That's a bit of a variable. But, uh, you know, Novak was second on last night. Took care of business. We'll see if uh, Carlos can do the same tonight. Novak Djokovic going to be number one in the world, right? Because he won last night. All he had to do was win one match. Arena Sabalenka, she's been going for this all year long, trying to overtake Iga Sviantec. Has a chance if she gets one round further than Iga. Any trouble in her first match, Chad? You know, I think this should be, again, a manageable match for uh, Sabalenka. You know, obviously the power, she has that in spades. She can overpower uh, her opponent. And I think the serve, we always look for that, how, you know, how smooth is that area of the Sabalenka game. But first round out of the gate, I think this is a very winnable match. Agree. Do, do you think, John, that, that she ends up number one at some point this year, Sabalenka? I, I mean, statistically, she... Ought to, and again, a lot of variables here, you know, the, the, a lot of points at the World Tour Finals, wherever it will be held, uh, Sabalenka will be there. I don't know about this tournament, though. Um, asking her to go around further than Iga might be some trouble, but uh, we'll see how she kicks it off today. We were talking about all the elder millennials earlier in the show. Andy Murray is back and better than ever. He won a couple challengers this summer back inside the top 50, and, and Murrow's almost seated here, in fact, taking on quarantine Mute today, Paul. Yeah, you just can't count him out. There's <laughs> How many better competitors are there on either tour or in anything than this guy right here? I mean, he loves to play, loves to be out there, and he's feeling pretty good. Let's see how the ab holds yeah. up, right? That's why he hasn't played the last couple tournaments. little strain in the ab. I uh, saw him practicing last week. He was serving full out when I saw him, so... Let's hope that uh, he is healthy and gets on in a little, uh, have a little Andy Murray drama. I've had a couple five-setters for about five hours with Andy Murray out there. I don't think he wants that. Yeah, no, if, he, if he wants to progress that, into like, exactly. the quarters or semis. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, Mute, that'll be a tough one, I do think, in terms of having to grind a little bit more. That is a match that can be a little a bit of a tail twister. Hopefully Murray can, you know, finish things off if he has that opportunity as simply as possible. I think that's going to be uh, the key. But anytime you have a first round meeting first round of a major there's always just a little something extra that can come into play so we'll see who gets off to the better start but i like andy murray in this one if he's healthy hopefully right. we got another former champ stan vavreka in action right. by the way 38 years old he's still the number one swiss male in the world <laughs> That's, That's wild, good. right? Yeah, we're waiting. You know, we there he is, Stanley. finally leaves, Stanley. Uh, Stan Vavrinka will own Swiss <laughs> tennis. Uh, good for him. 38 is a big number, but he's playing pretty well, and he plays against Ishioka. They played once before. That went 7-6 in the third. So uh, they've, they've had a close match before. I, I think Stan, with, with a day off to rest, and we know how physical he is, uh, keep an eye on him. Is he winning the you know, is he winning the U.S. Open for a second time? Probably not, but danger, danger, danger. Yeah, and today's a dangerous match, though, right? Nishio get the ball up high and heavy with that lefty forehand. It stands great one-hander, but up over the shoulder, that's a tough one for the one-hander. But uh, let's hope that Stan keeps going. It's been fun to watch his march back up, feeling comfortable and dangerous. And like you said, I'm, I'm pretty convinced most players still don't want to see him on the other side of the net. That backhand. There's going to be, there's going to be some winners yeah. from that side of the court today. Top 50 player once again, Stan Vavrenka. We'll see what happens. You got the top Swiss guy taking on the top Japanese guy. 
who will end up on top. We will have all the highlights for you tomorrow right here on TC Live. For our entire team, thanks so much for joining us today. 9 a.m. Eastern, every single day of the U.S. Open.